0: Welcome to the Within the Musician podcast. This show is a place of discovery for all students, performers, educators, and future educators. My name is Monica Williams. I'm a flutist, teaching artist, recording artist, performer, composer, and lifelong learner. As we are now in the new year, many of us are thinking of New Year's resolutions, and the most common resolution is weight loss, either for health or personal reasons. So today, I'm bringing an expert dietitian on our show to discuss how we as musicians can be healthier and have longer and more successful careers. We will also talk about foods that can support us during stressful auditions, touring, recording projects, as well as foods that will support us for our immune system as this pandemic is still raging in many areas. I'm going to bring Stacey Kennedy on in just a second, but here's a little bit about her from her website. Stacy is a board certified specialist in nutrition, an American College of Sports Medicine certified fitness specialist, adjunct faculty in the Graduate School of Nutrition at Simmons University teaching entrepreneurship, She's worked for 20 years as a senior clinician at Harvard Medical School, teaching at an affiliate hospital, Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, and Massachusetts General Hospital, mainly focused in oncology. She co-founded her private practice, Wellness Guides. She is recognized thought leader and media personality, speaking all over the world on top of nutrition science, weight loss, behavioral change, and entrepreneurship. Let's welcome Stacey Kennedy.
1: Hi, Hi, Monica. Thank you for that warm welcome. It's really great to be here with you and your audience today.
0: Yes. And so you are in Boston during this time still, yes?
1: Yes. Yeah. We uh, live just outside the city in the suburbs. So it's a little calmer where we are than than in the heart of the city. Um, but But it's cold and we're dealing
0: with all the things you were just describing. Yes. And, you know, um, I have known St- Stacy for several years. I hired her as uh, my own personal nutritionist many years ago when I was pursuing information on my own health. Um, and we worked virtually. You're one of the first per- people that I worked with virtually. Um, and a lot of musicians have just figured this out, like right now, like, oh, we can do this virtually. So you've been doing this. How long have you been working virtually?
1: Actually, for a really long time, like if I think about it, I would say, I mean, I guess as long as that existed, I was sort of hacking together my own way of doing it before we had all the technology we have now. So probably a good eight years or so, um, I would say, if I had to guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And nutritionists and many others are in the same boat, right? We're all learning how to transfer virtually, but I've always loved it because, you know, you live on the West Coast, I live on the East Coast, there Mm. were just so many people that I wanted to be able to work with. And it just, yes.
0: So musicians, we've had to figure this out kind of on the fly very quickly. Oh my gosh, that day of like March 12th or 13th for many of us was like, oh my gosh, what do we do? And so I think a little bit of working virtually with you actually helped me. I'm like, you know, I had a plan in place. Okay, so I'm going to go zoom facetime skype you know whatever platform anyone can meet me on and it's it's actually very effective more effective than i thought for music so but you do that i've stressed that because you can work with anyone uh any country even really yeah that's pretty cool
1: yeah i actually had a client again from a long time ago we used to meet on skype she lives in brazil and she just reached out to me i haven't talked to her in probably three years Um, she's just reached out to me with some health questions and nutrition goals and I'm all set up to work with her. Um, you know, we, we use Google translator at the same time. I mean, there's just so much available to be able to, to connect with so many people, regardless of where you are.
0: Mm -hmm. And I bet you are very helpful teaching entrepreneurship, you know, helping out other nutritionists in the, in the same boats, you know, kind of. Um, doing this. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, So I thought we could start off, uh, instead of just talking about the weight loss piece, starting off about just health in general. And with this pandemic, are there things that we can be doing to either not get COVID or flu or any of those things? Or if we do get it, make our recovery just a little uh, less likely to be such a severe case?
1: What can someone do? Absolutely. It's it's just, you know, it's so stressful um, overall. And I think, you know, part of the benefit of focusing on healthy lifestyle change is that you take some control back. And when we feel like our world is out of control, that stress can actually further compromise our immune system. Stress is really not good for immunity. So in some sense, just feeling like you have a nutrition plan, whether it's perfect, or even, you know, where you want it to be almost doesn't matter. It's the belief that you're doing something, and you have some control will actually give you a bit of a a boost. Um, But of course, you know, following the CDC and government recommendations around um, COVID are really important, good hygiene, washing hands, uh, wearing a mask, being mostly with people in your bubble, those are all obviously the best ways to reduce your risk. Um, from like a personal health standpoint, there are certainly things that you can also do. So, um, you know, focusing on kind of a healthy balanced diet where we're getting enough protein, we're getting immune supportive nutrients from a variety of plant-based foods that can be really helpful. For some people, uh, vitamin D, we're seeing a lot of emerging science around vitamin D and COVID Mm and vitamin D and immunity. And so- you know, one of the articles I read said basically everyone should assume they're deficient in vitamin mm-hmm. D, um, and you know, depending on how much sun exposure you have, can you know sway that. But in any case, you know, taking a supplement might be something that could be helpful, um, essentially across the board. And you know, asking for blood tests and things like that, if you know, if you're concerned, or digging back into your blood tests and seeing right. if you need to take it can help. Um, and other nutrients like zinc, magnesium, selenium, vitamin C, those are all um, nutrients that we know are important for immunity and
0: are being looked at right now in the face of COVID. Right. And, you know, yes, I've, I've been reading a lot about vitamin D and I first heard it from you. And as you know, I took a blood test years ago and was deficient. And I live in San Francisco, so where there was sun and, and stuff. So let's go with the vitamin D. Can it, does it matter the dosage or where you get it from? Does the quality matter? Um, how could we make sure that this is absorbed so that we can get benefits from this? Is there is there tricks to that? Yeah, that's a great question. So
1: Um, As far as the amount, it is kind of personal. So it could range anywhere from a 1,000 international units to 4,000 a day. And most of the data looking at COVID right now is suggesting those sort of higher end of that, which is very safe. Um, So for most people taking you know, 2, 3, 4,000 I use a day is probably the right dose and is safe. Of course, you know, as a dietitian, it's important to let people know that if you know, if you have a health issue, if you take medications, you know, talk to your doctor, talk to your pharmacist, um, you know, before really starting a new supplement program. Um, but but those levels, so for a lot of people that 4,000, um, especially for someone, you know, how you mentioned, Monica, you had a low blood test in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the right amount. I'm taking, mm-hmm. I had a low blood test number, I live in Boston area, you know, mm-hmm. in the past myself. Um, so I'm taking 4,000 a day. And I recently mm-hmm. went to the doctor, and my level had come up, which is great. But it by no means was excessive or too high. So I, Mm -hmm. it was good to get, kind of get that feedback. Um, As far as like maximizing absorption, it's um, nice that really most brands of vitamin D3 are going to work. It's really about you taking it on a consistent basis, taking it every single day. Um, And The absorption might be a little bit better if you take it with food um, because vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin. So having some, you know, avocado or olive Mm -hmm. oil or, you know, cheese or whatever um, that has some fats in the meal
0: might help with the absorption Mm -hmm. um, a little bit. Okay, that's a good that's a good thing to know because uh, that's important. And yeah, consistency. So getting a routine kind of in place is is helpful. What about the other things you mentioned? This mentioned the selenium and the zinc. I mean, do, does someone need to go out and purchase all of those separately? Is there is there a multivitamin that someone can take that would cover all your bases? Uh, Yeah. There are quite a few
1: multivitamins. There's even, you know, you can imagine there's a ton of like immunity focused products right now that have Mm -hmm. those nutrients. So, you know, with those, you know, you want to be careful more is not better. You don't want to just go take like a whole bottle of zinc, you know, that would be uh, like toxic. Um, right. So, you know, if we do want to think about food first. Vitamin D is harder because we get mm. most of it from the sun. Right. Um, but when we think about, like, zinc, if you're eating uh, chicken or fish or see other kinds of shellfish and seafood or even a little bit of meat, you're going to get zinc that way. Uh, whole grains and nuts and seeds are good plant-based sources mm-hmm. for zinc. Um, and selenium, mm. like Brazil nuts, is a good source. Also, seafood again is another good source of selenium. So, you know, looking to your diet is definitely helpful because the other part of all of this is protein. We need mm-hmm. protein to make our immune cells; they're made out of protein. Mm-hmm. And so, some of these foods I mentioned, you know, you're going to like multitask. If you have, you know, some fish with your dinner, then you're probably getting some zinc, some selenium, some protein. You know, maybe some omega threes, kind of all wrapped into into one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, if you're not really eating those foods on a consistent basis or you're worried, um a really good multivitamin would cover you as long as it has minerals um, in it um for some of those items too.
0: so it goes back to what you said earlier, which is a variety of plant based high quality fruit you know vegetables, then you kind of cover your bases um, that makes sense that makes sense. Um, so I'm imagining that a lot of the things that you're mentioning for immune also would help us musicians in the stressful auditioning touring and you know recording processes of not getting sick i mean i know that as a musician that's my biggest worry like i get on a plane and like it would be awful if i got sick right now because i just can't handle it which is the stress element of it but um i'm imagining all of those things would be helpful for that as well right
1: Absolutely. Yes. I mean, the stress part is huge. So I think this is where, you know, there's like, when you look at nutrition information online, it can be really confusing and very contradictory. So, you know, whole grains, for example, so whether you're having oatmeal, or you're having quinoa or brown rice, these are really good sources of a lot of these nutrients, including like B vitamins, which we know help to manage our stress, magnesium, another one for immunity and stress management and metabolism. So when you start reading and feeling like carbs are the enemy, you're Mm -hmm. actually sometimes might be undermining some of some of your own health goals. Um, Mm -hmm. So and and, you know, I I feel like I always have to kind of like in defense of carbs, you know try to um explain that you know it's it's not so black and white so you right. know you want to have a balance but we don't want to eliminate all the carbs from our diet because we're actually going to be causing more stress frankly mm. a lot of the time
0: mm mm-hmm. interesting Yeah, I I know that the low carb keto thing is very, you know, is a is a popular way to achieve that. But that's a good in defense of carbs. I like that idea. So when I was in college, this is something that I. I always think of when I think about auditions and and maximizing your performance there was there, there was these things called juries which was like you had to everyone performed their same big exam you know in the same time whenever this happens the cafeteria would run out of bananas like you had to get to the cafeteria early to get a banana and the theory was is that that would make you less stressed and have a better audition did we were we all just like completely fooled? Or is that an actual thing?
1: No, you're like ahead of your time, everyone. <laughs> Congratulations. I love that. Um, that's really great. Yeah. So actually, I was going to mention like electrolytes is another mm. kind of topic. And that's precisely why that banana was so Helpful. actually I have a couple theories. So one would be electrolyte. So hydration is super important. Mm. Like when you think of feeling nervous, your heart's racing, you need some hydration or you're just jacking that up even more, um, mm. especially if you've been like drinking a lot of coffee, trying to wake yourself mm. up. Um, and so hydration is really key and having electrolytes helps you absorb the hydration better. So uh, like potassium, which is uh, an important electrolyte that we need for blood pressure management and for energy is in things like bananas. And it's in cantaloupe and watermelon and avocado and nuts and like peanut butter and almond butter and Butternut squash, sweet potatoes. Um, there's a lot of options. You don't have to like drink, you know, a electrolyte beverage that's you know fluorescent blue. You can mm-hmm. eat a banana, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's really great. And if you put a little peanut butter on it, actually, that's going to be even better for managing stress because you mm-hmm. get more micronutrients and you get that protein to carry the energy from the banana longer. Um, the other reason I think the banana would help has to do with gut health. So having a healthy gut has been shown to improve mood, help with metabolism and stress and immunity. Um, Like 70 to 80% of our immune system is in our gut. And so the banana and potatoes, both of which get a bad rap, Mm -hmm. have a type of starch called resistant starch. And it's it's sort of, now they say like prebiotic. Um, So they're just natural type of fiber in those foods that help to fuel the healthy bacteria that already live in your gut and make them happy and healthy and strong. And so foods like a banana or oats or like a potato um, really can can help with that. So I'm all for that strategy. And without having to know why, it just, you know, it worked for you all. And I think that's great.
0: Yeah. I just had this vision as you were talking. I mean, it would be, so there was a lot more than the banana. When the bananas ran out, you know, you weren't like, you know, completely screwed. There was other foods we could have gone to. I had this vision that, you know, they could create a board of like, Especially like foods that support, you know the stress, you know, the whatever that stressful time is, foods that help you support you during that. That would be really helpful. You have a visual of all the different types of foods that you could have for that. That's pretty cool. Um, and there's even
1: beverages to think about too. So actually tea, Um, Mm -hmm. You know, one, I like making these fun pictures of like, you know, six foods to ease stress, six foods for metabolism. So I've been Mm -hmm. kind of playing around with that. Um, And, you know, tea is something that actually can help. Uh, Green tea can help. Chamomile has Mm -hmm. a, a, a phytonutrient, like a plant based nutrient that actually has been shown to help reduce anxiety. So Um, It's Mm -hmm. not going to, like, put you to sleep or anything, Um, but having, like, some tea in particular or, like, hibiscus is good for hormone balance, Um, but that's another option. Mm -hmm. Of course, um, dark chocolate is another good one, Mm -hmm. too, and, you know, so now your banana can have peanut butter and dark chocolate chips, Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, you've got the magnesium. So, yeah, I think the The stress uh, list of like, here's, you know, five foods to pick that would help ease your stress can Mm -hmm. ease your stress because you don't have to think about what to eat because that can be really stressful when you're trying to focus on your performance to have to worry about what to eat.
0: Right, and going wrapping around to what you were talking about when we were talking about COVID, kind of the same thing applies. When you're taking care of yourself, you can re- take one of those pieces away, less stress than that, you know. So, you know, you have an action plan so that you're not just waiting for that. So, in terms of you know, also practicing taking care of your body, getting sleep, you know, all the things that you're actually checking off all the boxes that can um, help support you. So,
1: absolutely, and I, I think the other thing too is just like the practical side. So frozen vegetables and fruits are just as healthy as fresh. In fact, they sometimes Mm. are higher in nutrients. So, you know, here, if I were to want to eat blueberries, this time of year in the winter, I'm absolutely getting frozen blueberries. Mm. They're cheaper, they're organic, and they're higher in nutrients. If I were to get fresh blueberries, they'd be shipped from really far away. And so the nutrition is going to go down in that time Mm. that passes from harvest. So stocking your freezer with like frozen cauliflower rice or having frozen blueberries and, you know, other um, like shortcuts are actually a way of boosting the nutritional value. And you're saving yourself time and effort and money and all these other factors that are, you know, obviously contributing to everybody's
0: stress right now too. Yeah, you bring up a good point because I had thought, you know, initially that doing um, frozen was worse for you because therefore, you know, you weren't getting the fresh, the fresh quality. So good point on that as well. Um, So the other thing I wanted to talk to you, wrapping around to the New Year's resolutions, is this is the first week of January. Um, New Year's resolutions are on a lot of people's minds. And I read that 80 percent of New Year's resolutions fail. Any thoughts? And of course, health and weight loss are amongst the highest of that um, in the New Year's resolutions. Why is it that there's such a high failure rates with the concept of New Year's resolutions. Any thoughts?
1: Yeah, every year this comes up, right? And Mm -hmm. I I think this year, you know, in this new year, I would bet that health is above uh, weight loss for Mm -hmm. a lot of people, perhaps, um, just simply because we're all so focused on keeping ourselves and our loved ones, you know, healthy. Um, But yeah, a big reason... Why these resolutions fail is just simply how we set them up. You know, we really go for it. We go way too far away from our usual routine. And so it's going to be impossible to stick with um, if you're setting yourself up with a more... Uh, targeted goal, something a little bit closer to what you're already doing, something that like steps you there, it can help. So, you know, I think it's great to kind of, you know, shoot for the moon and have like a very lofty resolution, but then be smart about how you go from here to there. So, you know, maybe you want to achieve that larger goal by the end of the year or Mm -hmm. in six months, Um, And then set yourself up with what are the steps to get me there? I think that's the part that's missing. We have great ideas for resolutions that are important to us. They're meaningful. They're going to be healthy um, for the most part. But we don't put as much time and effort into, well, how are we actually going to make this happen? What's Mm -hmm. realistic for me? And how do I kind of phase myself step by step? into this resolution. Um, and that's really where I, you know, between accountability and making shorter goals that you can hit and achieve. I think that's really where the coaching and that's where a lot of the work that I do really comes in is around the implementation of it all. Um, right. because that statistic is true.
0: Right. And maybe it's like, I, I mean, cause I've, I've, when, back when I used to go to a gym, um, when gyms were open, you know, it would be like the, you know, January, February would be, you know, very busy, couldn't get machines, and then March would kind of trickle off, and then you'd be back to normal by April, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. So maybe it's over ambition, like, you know, if I you're going to say, like, I'm going to work out every single day, I'm going to go to the gym every single day, like, maybe not realistic to your lifestyle of those
1: changes, maybe something like that.
0: Yeah, we want our goals,
1: you know, we want them to be smart. They have to be specific. They have to be measurable, achievable, realistic, and, you know, Mm -hmm. meaningful. So, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe pretending we could go to a gym and we would want to, like, you know, you would look at your schedule and say, okay, there's a class every Tuesday and Thursday at 5 p.m. and I can get there and that's that's going to be my goal is to show up Mm -hmm. twice a week. Or maybe we make it like every morning, Right after I brush my teeth, I'm going to do a series of 10 simple exercises I can do at home. And I am going to do that every single day. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. miss a day. And it's going to be, you know, 10 minutes and it's going to be quick. But I know I can do it. So I think it's, right. it's really boiling, boiling it down from like a concept. You know, I'm going to work out more. That's mm-hmm. too vague. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great idea. But like, what does that really mean? What does that right. really look like? Um, you know, I'm going to walk my dog an extra five minutes, the two times a day I walk my dog. And that's going to add up and have benefit over time. So Mm -hmm. it's really like crafting it to be very particular to where you're at in this moment, um, rather than making it sort of a, a general statement.
0: Right. So finding the sweet spot, you don't want to go like completely because I've done this before. I'm going to work out two hours a day and eat twelve hundred calories and they're only going to be this particular thing. Um, So but not completely vague. So finding that sweet spot and you work with people finding that sweet spot of that.
1: Yeah. And then be able to. So, you know, and then be have a way of measuring it. You know, and and if it's not working, it's not because you're not trying hard enough or you don't care about yourself enough or, you know, you're not good at it. It's not working because it needs adjusting. It needs pivoting. It needs, like, another iteration. You know, it just it needs a little finessing. And mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe the gym was too far away. Maybe that class, I didn't feel good doing it. My body hurts afterwards. Like, mm-hmm. there are so many ways to come up with another uh, way of going about it, um, it, that it isn't like, oh, well, I should just stop. And I think that's probably a big part of the challenge with resolutions, too. Um, you know, we try something and it may not work the first time. We, it may not be the right fit. We might have right. to adapt it a little. Maybe that Tuesday, 5 p.m., it just doesn't work. I can't get out of work in time. So let's find another class. Maybe I need Mm -hmm. to take the seven o'clock class or I need to do Wednesday, Friday. And, you know, we just want to like revisit it. It's, Mm -hmm. if it's not working, it's not you. It's really about just redefining um, that that tactic a little bit towards your goal.
0: I like that. Yeah. The adjusting, it's not just a one time. So, you, you know, maybe the concept of like making this one big goal on January 1st um, you know, maybe that's the problem with it. It needs to be kind of a, a year long, you know, every month, really, a new year, you know, kind of modification to that goal. Um, so I want to back it to something you said about weight loss. So when, and back, back to a little guess to the health point, I think that you're right that at least for me, as I get older, it becomes more about the health aspect and less about the weight loss aspect of it. Um, so when the CDC began their, like their, their comorbidity conditions, weight loss was or weight being overweight, obese was a huge factor on that. So, um, as someone that's thinking about health and thinking about the number only as part of that health measurement, what would you say to them? I mean, does it does it matter? Let's just say that I'm three hundred pounds and, you know, I only lose twenty pounds. I'm still obese, I'm still going to have the same risk conditions. What What is your word of advice or thoughts to that situation?
1: Yeah, I think that's actually a very important emerging topic. There's more and more conversation that's looking like deeper into the understanding of weight and weight loss and health. And so what I mean by that... Get some water. Sorry. You're good. hmm um, so what I mean by that is that the the journey really matters. So the number on the scale really only scratches the surface and and mm-hmm. frankly, is is less relevant than how you go about um, losing weight. So from a number perspective, you know from a health lens, losing five to ten percent of whatever your current weight is, if you are mm-hmm. overweight, is enough to make a significant difference in your risk and lower your risk for diabetes you know, for type two diabetes, for prediabetes, for heart disease, um, and and many other uh, weight connected chronic
0: illnesses. What if you already have those some of those um, conditions? So if you have diabetes, or you have a heart condition, and you're overweight on top of it, do you, and you, you lose some of that weight? Are you still lowering your risk factors?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. You're making a big difference in some of those um longer term factors, that amount is enough to help reduce insulin resistance, improve improve like your body's sensitivity to blood sugar. So kind of helping move that extra sugar out of your blood and into the cells for energy. So it's very surprising to people to learn that losing just some weight is enough to make a difference. Because the idea is that you're sort of permanently keeping that weight off. Right. So it, it, it's very exciting to read, you know, emails. And I get these, I get these crazy texts, like Mm -hmm. you should know your audience. Like I get these text messages. I don't know the number out of the blue that are like, do you want to lose 60 pounds in three weeks? (laughs) No, I don't block, you know, you have to like mute those things and ignore them because it's not healthy, it's not effective, it's not realistic. Um, So, you know, if you have a health issue, just that five to 10% weight loss really will translate into very significant, you know, differences in blood tests, it really makes a difference. The other part that's really important is the journey. So, Mm. you know, like, trying to lose, um, you know, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, whatever, by eating more fruits and vegetables, by walking every day, by drinking more water, by choosing you know, to have less processed food, by having less red meat and more fish or plant-based items, those foods are going to bring benefit independent of any change on the scale. So there's mm-hmm. been a lot of research showing that eating five servings of fruits and vegetables a day, regardless of weight loss, is helpful from a health perspective. So from an inflammation perspective, from Mm -hmm. helping make your arteries more elastic, um, the physical activity and healthy eating works sometimes inside your body before you can see it on the scale. Mm -hmm. Um, And you might notice changes to skin um, or other visible differences that aren't necessarily the number on the scale moving as fast as we would like it to. I think that's such an important
0: point because if you don't if you make these changes and you don't see that number either move as much as you wanted to or move at all, you can easily get into this thing that's like you know, well it's not working, let me go buy one of these things that's that's 60 pounds in 20 days whatever it is. I read an interesting statistic. It said that if every single person stopped buying any weight loss cosmetic any type of product that was for appearance that the economy would collapse overnight so that's it's i I don't know how much merit that is but i mean there's so much of it it's like you know that goes with cosmetics that goes with makeup and the whole industry there but that we are so much into that as a society that that could like you know collapse the economy Um, And that was like, wow, you know, that that's that's pretty amazing that that's has such an that one factor would have such an impact globally and economy wise.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and think of the other side of that, though. What if we focused on beauty from the inside out and we put Mm -hmm. all that money into healthy food and healthy, safe spaces in our community to be physically active? We were taking the same money and instead of buying you know, fad weight loss pills that are dangerous, and you know, so much skincare stuff. And we were buying fruits and vegetables and supporting farmers and local farms. And my goodness, like the whole planet would be healthier, we would be healthier, and probably even more beautiful and handsome um, because okay. that healthy eating and that exercise um, really does come through in our in our skin by way of our gut.
0: Yeah, that's so big. Yeah, it, it's so supporting local small, rather than big, um, you know, shipping. And because you you kind of touched on this um, a little bit, but th- this is something I never thought about in the frozen versus fresh things. If you buy blueberries in the middle of winter, how much traveling time that that product needs to actually go through, not only in terms of freshness, but you know, the in terms of pollution, amount of, you know, energy consumed in order to just get you to that space. That's something I never thought about. Like, oh, so you can make a small difference just by choosing what you, not only for your own health, but like for the economy and the farmers. And that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and for the environment, it's interesting. I read one time that the average fruit or vegetable in the U.S. travels 1,500 miles from wow. the farm to your plate. And a lot are further. I mean, if I, like I said, if I try to go buy, fresh strawberries right now. They're from California. So that's more Mm. than 1500 miles from where I am. So, you know, that's the things that reduce nutrient levels in produce are things like heat, light, oxygen, and time. Um, Mm. And so yeah, absolutely. Um, But I mean, I think I still think it's like balancing it all out. Like sometimes, sometimes local produce can be really expensive too. So I mean, I think There's that other piece of it. So like what is healthy is very contextual. So, you know, another aspect of COVID has been unemployment or underemployment. And if you're self-employed, you know, it's in some ways there's benefits with the virtual stuff, but there's challenges. Now you have to be good at marketing and you have to like hustle Um, and it's stressful and not always able to happen. So, you know, there are a lot of ways to eat on a very tight budget and be be healthy. But it's also very wrong to make people believe that you have to go spend $300 Mm. at an expensive organic grocery store every week to be healthy. You don't. Um, You can find inexpensive items that are going to support your health. And not everything has to be perfect. So all of Mm. your food dollars do not have to be organic. Um, And you might want to try to think about um, the budget side of it when you're planning your meals and thinking about health um, because there are a lot of ways to eat healthy on on a budget too. And it's like, I just don't want to miss that piece. I don't want everyone feeling like, you know, you have to have kale and celery juice, you know, and, and that's it. Like, you know, hey, if you want a potato, like that's great. Or, you know, go buy like what's on sale. Um, maybe sometimes, you know, even the frozen is pricey, you know, maybe you're even looking for canned and you're like rinsing the produce from a canned option to get the salt off and that's yeah. fine, it still counts. You know, when we look at data, people eating fruits and vegetables are gonna have healthier markers, whether they're fresh, they're frozen, they're canned, they're mm. jarred. So, you know, I do want to kind of put that out there um, that we want to factor budget in into and, and that that's important.
0: That's such a, that's, I never thought of that. So if you're going to food banks, you know, and you're getting cans, fruits and vegetables, just, just rinsing it can actually increase the, the, or decrease the, you know, whatever they put on it to preserve it. And, and. um, Right.
1: Like extra sugar, extra salt, that's going to come off when you rinse it. And Mm -hmm. that counts, that for sure counts as a serving of fruits and vegetables. So, you know, people shouldn't feel um, like they're not doing a good enough, job. Um, you know, whether you're buying canned produce from the grocery store or you're getting it, you know, from a food pantry, it, you know, it's like, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, I think that that's really key too. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a really, that's, that's a really, um, that's a really important piece, man. They should put this, I think of all these signs, they should put this at the food bank too, you know, different ways to increase, uh, um, the nutrition value of what you're receiving. That would be that would be really helpful. Why don't they do that? Maybe they do. Maybe, I, maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Maybe they do do that. Um, but that's great information.
1: Well, so. and I think on the other side of it too, as someone who's giving to a food bank, um, mm-hmm. think about what you would want to receive. Like don't just go buy like canned whatever because that's what you think people want at a food bank. Everyone mm-hmm. going to a food bank is the same as you. Um, mm-hmm. and you should think about what you would want to have. So like when my kids have been, um, having, you know, recently at school, you know, or in the community requests for dropping off items for our local food banks, um, mm-hmm. if I'm at, if I'm at Whole Foods and I'm buying organic chicken broth for our meals, I get a second organic chicken broth mm-hmm. and send that to donate, um, too. I just try to put myself in that same you know, mindset. So I mean, if you're able to give anything, that's wonderful. Um, but if you are able to give what you would buy for yourself, I think that's kind of the way to go about it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And it, it's not always a quality versus quantity thing. Because I think sometimes people think, well, you know, th- th- this organic chicken broth, I could buy five of the other little things. So sometimes quality is, you know, worth th- thinking about so that you can receive something that's you would eat. Um, same of, that's that's pretty that's pretty important, thought to have. Uh, the other thing, kind of doubling back a little bit, but going back to the CDC guidelines. and let's let's bring it back. I think I, I think it was you, know, you had mentioned this to me in the seventies. Uh, Didn't they change that twenty five percent BMI? So it, if if you're going by the BMI, can what is like, uh, is it a sweet spot as well too? Can if you if you're twenty eight, do you need to lose weight to get under twenty five in order to have better health factors? What is your thoughts on that? Should we just go strictly by that 25 or I guess it's 24 point whatever? I don't remember exactly.
1: No, um, I mean, I think there's a big effort to like throw that whole thing out, you know, because um, it, it's hard. Like it's it's not that, that straightforward. Like truthfully, it's all relative to yourself. Like what is... Mm-hmm. You know, if we were to like travel back in time, or if you were to think of young people today, um, you know, if you're, if I'm talking to, you know, a 22 year old who's at a healthy weight, the the best answer is try to keep your. You're going to have to work hard every mm-hmm. decade to keep yourself in a healthy weight. So the 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 data is really more about avoiding the weight gain that comes naturally with aging. Than it is about getting yourself to a different number. So um, it's it's kind of trying to compare it to yourself more than go by those scales. So if somebody's BMI is thirty, or let's say let's you know and, and even maybe an even easier way to think about it, if somebody's BMI is like let's say thirty five, you know mm-hmm. that's above the healthy range, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that person is going to be healthy at a BMI of twenty five. Mm-hmm. What it would take to get there. Or their, their body just may not be built to be at that number 25. You know, maybe the change of going from 35 to 32 to 30, those incremental changes are going to give major benefits. And, and there really may not be a reason to keep going. It's more about locking in the change that you've made. It's yeah. arguably healthier to go from a BMI of 35 to 32 and stay there for the rest of your life than it is to go 35, 28, 30, 38, 40, Mm -hmm. like that whole system of kind of, you know, up and down and back again, that's probably less healthy than sustaining yourself through a healthy diet and exercise at a higher BMI. I would argue the higher BMI with healthy behaviors is probably healthier than a lower BMI with unhealthy behaviors. Um, A low BMI can indicate somebody's ill or they're yeah. using cigarettes to get their weight down or, right. you know, it's less is not always better. Right.
0: I think that's so important because if th- th- those numbers can be, you know, almost shaming, if you go to, to that, if you're thinking that if that is the only factor for your health, and I think it's probably for the people that are on a weight loss journey, probably more common to go from 35 to 28 to 25 to, you know, to flopping all around there. And, 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 um, of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. but you know, if you had just kind of done small changes, found that sweet spot and just did a little bit lower, you would have probably been more healthy in the. In absolutely. The long- but absolutely. it's never too late. Right. So someone who's done that flip flopping, you can, you can kind of get on a routine that makes it so that you have more stability. Oh, right?
1: absolutely. At any age. I mean, they've shown mm-hmm. that like 90 year olds can grow new muscle with Strength training. I mean, there's it is never too late, and especially from a health perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, Those benefits of reducing inflammation, improving immunity, improving gut health, those are going to help you at any time in your life. Um, And so, yeah, it's absolutely, you know, really always a good time to add in some of those um, elements that are healthy. Right.
0: Um, That's those are all really good points. Okay. So now let's talk about. from the from the standpoint of n- what you do, you know, a nutritionist and a dietitian, why should someone invest in themselves with a nutritionist and not just go with the school of Google? What are your thoughts to someone who is in the? Because there's so much information out there, and we talked a little bit about this with um, uh, with Tony Oswegan, who is a mental health uh, counselor. Same idea is investment in yourself for better mental wellness. Why should someone? invest in um in hiring an expert someone like you um to help them with some of these goals that we're talking about
1: yeah it's if it was if it was easy enough to just read about it and do it you know our, our whole country would be like super healthy and we'd be really happy and you know the everything you said about mental health it's, it's all true it's it is much harder than we realize and the conceptual part can be challenging so you know, it's like the game two truths and a lie. There's a lot of misinformation Mm -hmm. online. There's a lot of flat out wrong information Mm -hmm. online from gurus, from other providers who aren't trained nutrition professionals, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one is it's important to make sure you've found the right information that applies to you and your specific context. And that's, really hard and really stressful and frustrating if you're trying to do that on your own and you might not really find that information. How do you know the website you're looking at is even reliable? So, having a professional, it would be like if you had multiple sources of income and assets and all kinds of stuff and you thought, "I'm just going to do my taxes by myself." Like, you can, but it's oftentimes much more helpful to hire a professional because they're just going to make it a more pleasant more effective and an easier experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And with the health part, it's especially true. So getting the right information is only the beginning. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of it. So really kind of setting up that specialization of like, what do you need to focus on right now? That's something that a a trained professional like myself can help with. Mm -hmm. And then the real work is in working with you to help you be able to do it and to help with the accountability And it's not just accountability, like I did it, I didn't do it. It's, you know, am I on track or not? It's really like that understanding of what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of techniques and tips and tricks that may not be readily apparent if you're not trained in it. So it's Mm -hmm. the implementation and the execution piece. There's also an advocacy piece. I work with a lot of clients who have family members or friends telling them this, that, and the other, their doctor Mm. might be saying something, their doctor may not be ready and willing to draw their vitamin D blood level. So, you know, I help the clients also kind of role play and formulate, how do you talk to everyone else in your life? Or how do you kind of get what you need? And having that type of uh, help with languaging and just that kind of trusted advisor can be really, really important too. And it is an investment. But you're not necessarily tied to having to work with someone every week forever. There's sort of an intensive period, a little bit of a step down. I typically mm-hmm. see like another step down. And then it's like, you just know you can come back to me whenever you need me. But there's right. like a process. It could take, honestly, like a year, really. Mm-hmm. Um but that investment is going to play out into a lot of ways that are really going to give you a return um, and just be much more effective and
0: enjoyable. Right. And I'm imagining that, you know, everyone's situation is unique and doctors, I mean, doctors are great, but they only take, is it one nutrition class in their whole? It's like eight hours, maybe if you're okay. Okay. So, so not a whole, so not a whole lot of, of that. Um, So you're not going to get the same level of support from your medical um, doctor than you would someone who is an expert on, on that. Um, And I know that like everyone is unique. And if you have a, a condition like, you know, diabetes, that's different. And although there's information on the online, I'm imagining that it's really specific to your individual situation.
1: Yeah. Personalized nutrition is absolutely an emerging field too. I mean, there's all kinds of cool stuff. Like if somebody's done, like a genetic test, you know, on their own or like, a um, you know, ancestry kind of thing, 23andMe, there's all kinds of data in there that from my perspective, you know, can further personalize what your plan is. So the level of personal personalization available these days, even without that testing, um, you know, Mm -hmm. just from discussing, you know, the risk factors or family history or whatever it is that you care about, that personalization piece is huge. And that can make all the difference, right? I mean, there might be reasons um, to make a very different plan uh, based on those personal factors. And you're not going to be able to search that out, you know, on your own, that that type of information isn't really compiled in any way for for everybody.
0: Right. And if you have a very specific goal, like weight loss, that can be a frustrating experience, especially if it's not, again, you're not meeting those numbers. So I'm imagining you can like share some insights and, ends. well, I know you can, cause I worked with you. Um, so you can share like what's really happening versus what's, what's actually, um, you know, so you can put a perspective on what's happening. Whereas like, you know, you don't hit that frustration point where you either completely quit your journey or, um, buy one of these, you know, lose 60 pounds in, in five days type of a thing. <laughs> um,
1: Absolutely. And, I, and as, as a, you know, even in my own private practice, I collaborate with the other people like in your life. So if you are working with a doctor, if you're working with a mental health provider, um, you know, it's, it's important to I help share information, you know, some of my clients have me connect directly with their other providers. So mm-hmm. we're all in the loop together. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's through the client, you know, I'll share some information they can pass along to their doctor, like, here's why I think you might want to check your vitamin D and, and mm-hmm. just really help. Um, but to help work as a team, you know, because. Um, each of those members on the team is going to have their own perspective, have their own expertise. um, And and that way we can kind of all help together um, versus, you know, the client having all these like kind of separate people they're trying to align. You know, we we can all connect with each other and and really help in a, a, a deeper way.
0: Right. And I know you work in the hospital setting and uh, with cancer patients and, and, uh, you know, the food as medicine piece is something that you do with that collaboration with doctors, right? So that's, it's not, you know, you you don't just hire a nutritionist for, you know, your own, you know, to get lose weight, but also when your health is not at 100% to help you recover more quickly, correct?
1: Absolutely. Yes. And, and I'm, you know, predominantly working in private practice now. And, you know, I, a lot of my clients are struggling with uh, cancer or they're either in treatment or they've gone through treatment in the past and, you know, without being in a hospital or, you know, even being um, employed by their team, it's still, uh, I'm still able to connect with those uh, providers and be able to kind of help, help them navigate the situation. Um mm-hmm. but more through like a private practice kind of coaching right. um aspect because i'm I'm really able to do more um mm-hmm. by kind of doing it outside of the traditional hospital setting like we can we can connect as often as we want um mm-hmm. you know we can spend more time together it's It's been a nice shift to kind of be more um a, a private practice um provider. Uh, working with people with cancer, actually, it's been it's been an interesting uh, shift. So I'm really, really liking the freedom it kind of brings, so to mm-hmm. say, you know, um, I don't have to, you know, I, I comply with, you know, ethics and evidence based guidelines. But, you know, I I can um, really kind of help craft things in a much more personalized manner um, right. than, you know, in the hospital setting by far.
0: Right, right. I could totally see that. I know that, you know, Sometimes, yes, the the hospital, you know, you could bring in food, right, to to supplement what you're getting and all that stuff. That's yeah. Um, So how can um, people reach you if they were wanting to hire a coach nutritionist um, for part of their journey? Where can people find you?
1: Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm easy to find uh, through my website. My contact information is there. Um, you can see, you know, other content like recipes and blog posts and coaching packages. Um, but my email and um, phone number even is, is listed on my website. Um, Instagram, uh, joining my Instagram community is also a great way to connect and to learn more, Um, but also you can, you know, message me, um, just at Stacy Kennedy RD. It's it's really
0: simple. Um, And I've recently- Your website is wellnessguides.com, right? It's .org, actually. .org, .org, wellnessguides.org. I will put that in the episode notes if you didn't catch that, but for those people listening. Thank you.
1: And then I've just launched some courses around symptom management during cancer treatment, a superfood recipe book, recipes to help ease symptoms, whether you're going through cancer treatment or not, um, debunking myths, fad diets. So I have, it's called the Nutrition Training Center, and I have a whole host of um, courses that you can sign up for and do in your own time. There are videos, slide decks, there's infographics, there's all kinds of information. There's meal plans, recipes that are all available. You can download um, and have all of those items. So the courses are fun. It's kind of another way of connecting with me in a sort of more standalone um, fashion as well. So I'll, I'll send you the link, Monica, that you can put in the, in the session yeah. notes for, to make it easier for people to find too. But I think if you Googled Nutrition Training Center or Stacey Kennedy, it would, it would come up too.
0: Awesome. That's great. That, thank you so much. This is just a a wealth of information. And I, I think that as everyone thinks about what 2021, <laughs> I mean everyone wants 2020 to go away. But if you think about you know 2021, health, I think is probably, as you say, one of the um more important goals than than the weight loss piece. So if there's one thing that I think that um I got out of today, it's that That Although weight loss is a factor of health, it is not the only factor of health and the behavior changes and the food as medicine you put in can not only help us uh, fare better in this pandemic and as musicians trying to be successful, but, um, you know, is, is really vital to the, you know, what a New Year's resolution maybe should be to make it more successful so that we don't have such a high failure rate, as they say, for um, New Year's resolutions. Thank you so much, Stacey. I'm going to put all your information in the um, podcast notes, and I hope to have you again maybe next time and sometime in 2021 we can touch on some of these things um, in a, another podcast.
1: That so. sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Monica. It was so great to be here, and I know we all have uh, big hopes and dreams for 2021. And I'm just really excited to be able to, you know, share this information with your community and it's just always great to talk to you. So um, I'm really thankful. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed this show, I would be grateful if you could like, share, subscribe, or review if you're on Apple Podcasts. This will help us out in the algorithms and help us to reach more listeners so the podcast can be found more easily. Until next week, bye-bye.